cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Five Star Final, Jason Jones, Jeff Patrick from Great South Soccer, here live from a Noonan Chili's. By the way, if you were work for Chili's, work with Chili's, work at Chili's, and you would like to sponsor the show? Yeah, get out of this. Get out of this. We're always looking for sponsors. Love Chili's. Especially Chili's. Especially Chili's. Um, good news for the folks working at Chili's tonight. There will not be a bunch of happy Orlando fans coming in stealing all their Zima. A uh, big win for those workers and a big win for Atlanta United tonight as they beat Orlando City. Once again, it just happens. It's one of those things. Uh, one nothing. It may be one the prettiest. It may be one the best. Uh, Lania actually loses the XG. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we did. Uh, but you know what? We get the win. I, I think that kind of makes up for uh, a couple uh, losses earlier. Like for example, maybe that Dallas one where we outplayed Dallas and uh, mm-hmm. ended up getting the results. So uh, these things kind of even out every now and then, but still a nervy kind of shaky game uh, for a lot of it. A lot of it. Yeah, I mean, there were chances for both teams, for sure. For sure. Keep talking, for I'm, sure. not, I'm not and done doing this. big chances, too, at that. Uh, there, if you look at the XG chart for Orlando, what you're going to see is two really big dots right inside the six-yard box. Uh, one of them was fortunately for Dom Dwyer. I forget who the other one almost caught the end of, uh, but it was very close. Uh, Brad Gazan plays very well, makes this incredible save on Dom Dwyer who also at the same time played it to the middle of the goal when there was about an acre of space on the left side of the net that if he had just literally done anything else, Gazan uh, never, ever would have had a chance, and this would have been 1-1. It could have very well been worse. Uh, but at the same time, Atlanta gets the job done, despite having a lot of issues tonight, Joe, I think, with a press they really didn't expect from Orlando. Yeah, that's what, I mean, it surprised me. It surprised me, especially when you saw the team sheet with them coming out with a three at the back. You thought, okay, well, they're going to sit back and totally bunker. And what really happened, I thought, was they left a large gap in the middle of the field, which, honestly, you probably don't want to do, typically. Um, it was an unorthodox strategy. That's kind of the way I would... I would categorize it, but I think it, I think it worked pretty well, actually. Um, Noted tactical genius, James O'Connor. Yeah, who knew? Wow. Who knew? Yeah. I, I thought that they did a really good job uh, pressing Eric Rometty and pressing the two center backs so that they weren't able to just do their normal thing where they're able to recycle the ball, recycle possession, and just at their own leisure. Um, most teams we've, who we've seen in Mercedes-Benz Stadium will allow Atlanta to do that. They'll sit back and just let, allow Atlanta to play with the ball in its own half, yeah. um, but Orlando pressured and that's how they created their chances that's where their offense came from was from that press so yeah. i thought it was an interesting strategy and then if atlanta did get into those gaps they, then they would fall back sure it was much more from the school of like 2018 red bulls rather than uh 2019 colorado rapids as far as the way to kind of attack and go after atlanta we saw a lot of those same kind of mistakes that have always gotten us against red bulls kind of pop up uh couldn't really break the press there were a couple of line breaking balls that were really positive uh, in the first half and of course we get the goal off pity martinez's first goal uh, of his Atlanta United career, uh, off one of those kind of line-breaking passes, Tito uh, runs all to it, all hand a transition uh, kind of move. Um, it, was a, it was a very satisfying goal because you could yeah. just see it coming. <laughs> you just see the whole thing developing uh, ahead of time, and kind of the, it's the way the way the thing nice. that you yeah. picture happening or imagine wanting to happen is exactly what happened. So that was nice. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and you know it gets him kind of moving in the right direction, which we've been waiting for. Yeah. We kept saying that uh, once the one comes, right, the dam's going to break. 
I hopefully that's the case for for Petey. Um, it's something we said I think about Zeke a lot last year too, and that never really quite panned out. Um, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm feeling. It, I mean, it was. I thought it was interesting to hear kind of what PT and uh, what Frank DeBoer said about PT uh, after the game, which was that Frank DeBoer was like, "Oh yeah, this is a, a big relief, big stress, you know, big uh, pressure off his shoulders. He came in for a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. Things that I think we all would believe to be true. Uh, I." I believe Frank DeBoer, but Pitti was like, no, I come from a big club in South America. There was zero pressure. I was, you know, totally confident, et cetera, et cetera. Cool, but then he would also yeah. say that it was, uh, it gave him a boost of confidence. He was kind of going back and forth, but I think it's one of those things with Pitti where he doesn't want to show any sort of vulnerability or any sort of, you know, he wants to have this kind of um, macho presence for the media so that, you know, I think it's just a different, as we've seen recently, just a different relationship that these some of these players coming from South America have with the media. At the same time, he's also celebrating by by brushing off the bad energy. Yeah, they said he brushed himself off and said he was getting rid of you know all the negative. Who was it? Someone did that last year, and Felipe Cardenas from the Athletic pointed out that it's a it's a, it's a phrase in South America, something about shaking the salt off. Uh, like it's I, I oh, yeah. like something yeah. Saul, uh where and I forget who what player did that last year, but they did something. I, I think it was Miguel Almiron. I think uh, did it at one point. Anyway, yeah. that's it. That's, that's kind of right. And I don't know how to speak any more Spanish, season. so I can't go into it any further. Than that. <laughs> that's all we got. That's all we got. Uh, and that's our show. And that's <laughs> it. That's, I mean, there's honestly not a, a, a ton really to take from this one. I don't think. Well, I think Orlando can so, beat us ever because we own them. We own them. Here's, here's what I think is going to be kind of the talking points of this game are there's going to be happiness that we beat Orlando, said a beat a rival. Um, but I, I'm wondering whether people will want to be as analytical about this match, considering it's a robbery and all that stuff. Um, because I would say that Orlando kind of got the better of Atlanta. I thought that they, well, they definitely had the two best chances of the game to score. Yeah. Um, like you said, they won on their overall, you know, XG, if you want to calculate that. Um, they had the same amount of shots in the box, though, if we're just going to a more generalized point of view. Sure. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, they, they had every chance of winning this game or at least drawing it. I think they, you know, they deserved a point probably out of this yeah. out of this match. But, you know, but then again, do you say, oh, well, you know, credit Atlanta for, you know, getting the win when they didn't play their best, which is something we couldn't say for this team earlier in the season. So um, I just think it's a little interesting how it played out that way. I've already seen a little bit of negative reaction from folks just being like, uh, "What are they saying?" We kind of got worked a little bit oh, uh, by no. Orlando. Well, that's um, but again, I don't think you're going to be able to take a ton from this. It's going to be a game we look back at and be like, "This was a turning point." I mean, honestly, to me, it makes or, it kind of heartens heartens me that people sure. would would kind of recognize the fact that we didn't necessarily outplay Orlando technically. Sure. Maybe maybe we maybe Atlanta outplayed them in other ways. Um, but. Of course, bar one game last year, Orlando has always been difficult, especially in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, I mean, last year, this is only the second win for uh, Atlanta in Atlanta against Orlando out of the, the seven tries. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it wasn't the best, but hey, you know what? Anytime we can send them back home to Florida, um, just in time for that entire state to, to be consumed by high water levels, then good. Let's do it. Um, it really does feel like you're about to sink. You drive down in there, yeah. and there's like all of a sudden lots of ponds start forming along the sides of the roads. And, and there's start and, rising. And billboards about vasectomies start. It's, it's all very strange. Yeah. Um, Rob Ushery has a good question, and it's something he's been pestering me about in our private uh, Slack channel. What bench players do we, should start in Vancouver? Anderson Asiedu. Well, there's a little issue there. 
It is interesting. I wanted to talk to Darlington after the game, but I didn't really get a chance. Like, is he just going to play every minute of the season, Darlington Abbey? That's true. He hasn't been sent off yet, has he? I feel like he's played every single game. I can't yeah, tell you the last yeah, time yeah. he's been rested. Yeah. Um, I kind of worry about that. The fact that, like, if he were to go down, I don't know who would kind of do what he does for Atlanta United in midfield. I mean, I think we'd like to think that Eric Rometty could do something like that, but we saw him tonight. You know, Eric, Eric, when he's got a man on his back, he's not great. Yeah. Um, he was very, I mean, normally Eric's having a good game when you don't notice him, right? You kind of noticed him a lot more than normal. Yeah, uh, not in a good way. Yeah, not in a good way. Not yeah. a good way. And Frank, and Frank DeBoer has told us in the past that he thinks Darlington Nagby is the best player in the league with a man tight on his back. Okay. The way he's able to turn a player. Darlington Nagby heat map. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. for sure. I, and I think that will be a very uh, tough thing to replace if we lose him. So, you know, hopefully he stays fit. I guess he'll play, but I feel like he's going to need a rest at some point. And it's a, just such a tough trip going to Vancouver. I would imagine they fly uh, charter out there. I think they did that their first year in 2017 when they took a trip to Vancouver. They they took a charter out there. Um, so I imagine they would probably do the same thing. No, I'm not sure. I like the idea of um, them explaining charter flights to Petey, who's already annoyed with, like, <laughs> yeah. they let you all in the locker room, and then, like, <laughs> we have to fly with normal people and other things like that. It's um a big change, but that's a, that's a hell of a trip, and it's I, a short turnaround, too. Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, Justin Miram could get a start. You know, he's got fresh legs. Um, I don't know how tactically integrated he is at the time. This doesn't have all the subs on it. I don't know, <laughs> Rob, to answer your question. I don't know. Yeah, who do you uh, We'll find out more tomorrow. They're going to do media tomorrow, I think, before they get out of town. They So we won't see them until Friday, I think. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Christopher... Bruton, Dr. Dr. Bruton, which was Sam, happy birthday, as we all do. It's happy birthday, Sam. Birthday. It's, not, um, it's never my birthday. It's not. Uh, Guy Shindy Valcourt says, do you think Pitti is back? Here's back the thing. Where? That, right, exactly. Like, he's yeah. been performing well um, in the game notes produced by uh, LA United Communications staff, brilliant staff. Um, they had it in there that Pitti is was fourth in the league in MLS coming into the game uh, in chances created per 90 minutes, which I think no one would have thought. He's yeah. actually even, even higher than Marco. still yet to get an assist. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so, so that's got to pay off. A, a, a chance that's created, a of course, is a pass that leads to a shot. So it's not like a, a, a great metric, um, but it does show that, show that he's been involved. Yeah. I do think uh, to, to, to move on to just kind of other tactical things yeah. with it. Let's do um, it. Besides the pressing, which caused you know some issues and difficulty just uh, circulating the ball through the back line, everything like that, there's mm-hmm. also uh, a different wrinkle come in with Joseph Martinez, which I think is extremely interesting. Joseph tonight was deeper than probably we've ever seen him. Uh, it's very much a, a deep kind of false nine. Yeah. Thing oh at yeah. This point. More than more than we've ever seen it it, even this year. Like right. we we kind of talked about him dropping and being more of a creator. He was like dropping. At times, I saw him dropping behind, like, Nagby and even Rometty. Yeah. Like, dropping, like, almost to the back line. He's a midfield one point with the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with people, with many people in yeah. front of him. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, but Frank said he did really, really well with it. Um, it's kind of weird to reckon with uh, because we're so used to see him leading the line. We're so used to see him being mostly in an offside position coming forward and, and, and wreaking havoc, all that kind of thing. Uh, but Frank said he thought Joseph was – was maybe one of the best players out there tonight uh, doing what he needs to do. It, it, does, it seems like Joseph um, has grasped and bought in to what Frank wants him to do. Uh, and it's just going to take a second for results. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the way I saw it was that Joseph in particular didn't do anything like wrong in his role, but I do feel like there's still some cohesiveness that isn't quite there with him doing that yet. You know, like there's the some of the other players is, don't know how to react yeah. to his movement. Um, you know, you just saw so many times the ball, Atlanta would move the ball, progress the ball really well into the attacking third, and then it would kind of start ping-ponging around the center, where, of course, Orlando had three center backs and two center midfielders. Mm-hmm. Nice hold, holding back that yawn is uh, is well played. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of players in that central zone, and eventually the ball would then get spread out, and then it would kind of get reset and back to normal. So, um, yeah, I just feel like they could have moved the ball a little more incisively, a little quicker in those central zones when they had those chances in transition. Um, hopefully it comes with time. I think I, I just hope Joseph doesn't get too frustrated in that role, like not scoring. So I think, you know, the, the role is going to lead to him scoring fewer goals. Oh, it's absolutely going to. Um, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's going to be a big drop off for him. And I think people are going to think that automatically they're going to think he's good, he's had a bad season. Yeah. Right. When I think in the end, we're going to see that Joseph was actually really, really effective in doing what he was asked to do. Um, but again, it's just going to take some time. You, see, you can see him like every fiber of his being wants to like get towards goal and do the same things he was doing last year but uh, there's that war going on in his head that little cognitive dissonance thing going on where you know he's doing what he's told to do and what he needs to do to to help this team in the system uh which again it's going to be tough to watch but but it's huge for for us going forward yeah and the team's playing really well right now in general just from an overall point of view, we, I mean, we didn't do a sh- we didn't record a show um, after uh, who do we play midweek? Um, I forget who that was already. Who do we play? In the, uh, yeah, we beat Toronto. Toronto, that was it. Huh. Um, so that game, on top of this game, you know, the Toronto game was probably better. They were resting some players. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this team is really. It feels like it's really rounding into form. Things are things are coming around. Oh, I mean, you got four straight clean sheets. Uh, you got four straight wins. You got what? Five wins in the last six. I mean, you're you're on pace with two more wins to, to be tied at the top of the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's just kind of absurd thinking about that with with where this was a few weeks ago, even. Uh, but but it's close, right? And I think we, we talked about the clean sheets a little bit. I think it's interesting to kind of consider that this team is probably going to end up better defensively. Yeah. This year, almost certainly. I, I don't think the gold tally is going to be there, but uh, defensively, I think it's absolutely going to be. Lower than a team that was already very, very good defensively last season. Mm-hmm. Um, one other tactical thing that uh, we should point out that you caught, which I didn't realize uh, at the beginning of the game was, and we saw it continue throughout yeah. the game, was Julian Gressel and Franco Escobar. The relationship that those guys have on the right side and the fact that Julian Gressel is pretty comfortable playing in a, in a right-back role. He's played right-wing back. Um those guys were totally interchanging with each other. Uh, there would be times where Franco would go on a run, Gressel would drop back, and then Gressel was then telling Franco, "Just stay, just stay forward." You know, as we, as we defend this sequence, um, I'll just play right back essentially right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for you know thirty seconds or a minute or whatever, and then we'll switch back. Um, uh, pretty I interesting. Think, the, I, I the think, those, those guys were rotating. I think that's kind of the platonic, platonic ideal of yeah. what the system wants to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and you probably are going to get them on the left side with Michael and Tito, right? Uh, but uh, Franco and, and Julian, it's fun to see them kind of interchange and play like that. Um, speaking yeah. of Michael, play, play him at left back. <laughs> Look, we, we tried the Breck thing. We did. Play Parker. Well, Par- I mean, Parker's admitted that he's really just not fit enough to play, you know, play, play left back every game. Um, 
Otherwise, we probably would do that. But I think the, the, just the, the, the difference in the two is, is quite striking. I mean, it, I really noticed it, honestly, on a play where nothing really happened. Um, there was a play where Pitti Martinez, you know, he dribbled inside from the right side going left. Kind of went through went through the middle and looking for an opening, you know, looking to try to slip a through ball to somebody. No, nothing was really there, so he had to recycle possession. And so he just, you know, quick pass to Parkhurst, who's up, who's pushed up at left back, and then Parkhurst just one touches it back to Leandro Gonzalez Perez, and the play recycles again. Yeah. And I don't think that if Shea's in there, he can really has he, he doesn't have the confidence to make that just that one touch pass to Gonzalez Perez. Um, you know, from Parkhurst, that's kind of his specialty. He's like, he's so sharp passing. His first touch, he has total confidence in. Um, I can I can imagine things going disastrously. Breck Shea's in with, with the kind of unexpected yeah. press and, and the mistakes that even came uh, with, with the back line we had. You know, you kind of throw him in there. Um, someone who I feel like would not handle what Orlando was throwing well. Uh, and it could have been... Could have been much worse. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you think about the deficiencies that Parkhurst has, and you kind of worry about him defensively if he's going up uh, going up against a quick winger or something like that. But let's be honest, I think we all have the same worries if it's Shea in that position going up against a quick winger. I mean, Shea is not the yeah. most quick footed guy in the world. He's six foot four. He looks like, um, well, what some what one press member calls a uh, drunken giraffe. Um, I wonder who that is. Yeah. Uh, I wonder who it is. Yeah, definitely wouldn't say that draft looks in any way like Tilda Swinton. Um, <laughs> something to consider, too, talking about quick wingers. Nani was not here tonight. Uh, could have been a whole different ball game. Yeah. Which is scary to think about. Yeah, totally. Because they had their chances on the break. Absolutely. Like they had, they definitely had their opportunities. There are moments where if he were there, uh, it would have been, it, things could have turned out totally no different. No Nani, no Jose Coleman starting, which I thought was an interesting choice. Coleman came on and immediately started creating some things. Mm. Um, man, it, <laughs> we, we won though. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, it's a hell of Orlando, but the golly, um, I don't know. I, I can't be negative about it. I don't think it's just one of those games where, you know, you got overwhelmed a little bit. Yeah. It happens. Frank even yeah. mentioned overconfident, which I thought was interesting. I, I think maybe the team was expecting less from Orlando on, on multiple levels. And I think they were, you know, you're, they're right with the talent level. We saw that and the, the chances that were missed. Yeah. Right? Uh, but tactically, I don't think they were really expecting that. Yeah, he never really... I, I mean, I asked him if he was tactically surprised by what Orlando did, which is... That's kind of the way it looked to me. It looked like they were they were shocked that in what they were doing, trying to do against him tactically, against, again, with that press. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they just kind of looked... Not tired, but they just didn't quite look at it. Atlanta United, I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, it was... I don't know. It's one of those games that's hard to talk about because yeah, it was just yeah. even. Not a whole lot really stood out. You know, Tito burned a lot of guys in the wing. That's cool. Yeah. But, like, other than that, you know... It's it just, feels like a whole lot of abstract concepts that right. he's trying to, like, yeah. talk about in a, in a non-abstract kind of form. And that's I think like I, I think right now, honestly, like, what you want... What, we do this? what you want is to do, to do this. I mean, you, you've got your a million games in the month of May, and you're just trying to grind out as many points as you can out of them. So, you know, in a game like tonight... You just wish it was maybe a little more pragmatic. Like, uh, you know, it didn't look like we were trying to grind it out. It just kind of happened. Yeah, I yeah. Guess, which I mean, there, there's value to that as well. Should we talk about so something you had mentioned like several weeks ago was the form of Bragazan, and he had a great game today. He did. Shot stopping, but with his feet, I thought he was pretty poor again. 
It's not the first time. Has he ever been that great? No, <laughs> oh, no, he hasn't. But, I, right, I, but, I, but I'm starting to worry about it more. I don't know. Sure. You know, I don't, I don't know if it, teams are really targeting him, trying to get him to play with his feet. Um, I do worry about his distribution. Um, He's great with his hands. Something we always keep in mind of this, too, is that the average MLS keeper is way, way below the average of uh, just about any other kind of top 10 true, league around. True, I've been like, yeah, we've been watching a lot of Champions <laughs> League. Um, and uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, even just like, yeah. you know, if, if you put MLS in that top kind of eight leagues, top 10 leagues, where they, they, their coefficient kind of normally fluctuates and then you look at what the keepers are doing, I, I think the folks in American soccer analysis have kind of hinted at uh, keepers on an average uh, in MLS being, being pretty poor. Overall, so if you know what, if you can come out and stop a few shots and maybe be halfway uh, below average with your feet, uh, but, but make some saves that really, really matter, I guess that's all we can ask uh, from thirty-five-year-old Brad Gazan. Uh, totally, totally fair, fair play to him. He was our man of the match tonight. Gazan, mm. Gazan. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't believe we almost forgot to talk about this. Okay. So in Frank DeBoer's post-game press conference, he was talking about, I think this was a question you had. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, Doug and Felipe were gone, so I had to ask all the questions. Right, right, right. right. Um, so I forget how he came across this, but he started talking about like Tito and Joseph's explosive runs. You know, when when there's kind of a slower buildup and then something happens, like Joseph and Tito's runs, he says, it's hold like... On, it, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. I don't, I don't want to ruin... I don't want you to like... Throw this oh, out. Oh, butcher the quote. Oh, do you yeah. have, you have the quote could, could without just. I could see there's a there's a what, there's a quality to it. He said that he, I would he, like to uh, continue to practice my DeBoer impression on. DeBoer uh, said it sounds like music, or it, it reminds me of music or something. And then, I as soon as he said that, I saw Sam's uh, ears and eyebrows perk up. And he was you start talking about music in relation to sports. I'm, I'm all here for it. Uh, it's like music, DeBoer said. There are small parts, and suddenly you accelerate and you feel the dangers, and everybody feels the crowd, and they see, oh, <laughs> something is happening. <laughs> so basically, it's gonna get better. So, I ba- <laughs> so bad. I don't know what that was. Um, so basically, Joseph and Tito are like uh, Diplo. What? Yeah, like when the beat drops. What is that? A, is that a, is, that, is it Diplo a person it, it, that does that it, with the I, lights? I guess we're waiting for the beat to drop. Yeah, sure. Welcome back to dubstep talk on the five strike final. Um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that description though, and apparently it's something he kind of uh, hits on pretty regularly is music uh, with regards to to soccer, uh, which it's actually it's honestly pretty insightful. Uh, yeah. Something I was wondering, and this is I'm glad we brought this up because it's something I wanted to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Um, when Atlanta is in possession. Right, and part of the idea is that possession helps with defense, um, and all these things kind of work together. Uh, but there is that idea that they're patiently passing the ball, waiting for that instance where the music picks up. Right, mm-hmm. what, they, what they call Joe a crescendo in music. Right, you're gonna you're gonna get all the way to forte, right, okay. on, on, okay. the, on the sound level. Um, what exactly are they looking for? What are what are the triggers in this kind of setup to where? okay, now we're done kind of flicking it around. We're going to go forward with this. Is there a certain spot where they get the ball? Is there a certain look that they're looking for from the opposing uh, defense? Or, or, or what are we looking for here? You're asking me? Yeah. I'm not the coach. Oh, I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is something interesting to keep an eye on for me uh, because I, I want to kind of understand more about where those triggers are, right? And so I think just going forward, it would be really interesting to kind of keep an eye on uh 
when Atlanta United does decide to go for it, when Atlanta United does decide that uh, the possession uh, has come to the point where they need to they need a runner. really push and need yeah. a runner and, and need to either play at the Joseph or, or get something going, right? Yeah. You know, I noticed when it, I noticed that kind of thing happening when I was I um, posted on Twitter a, a thread of Miles Robinson's um, distribution uh, mainly. And it did seem like they once they kind of had bypassed one line, like once like Miles Robinson had kind of helped um, open up a gap in, in midfield, and they had they had an opening. That was kind of the impetus to spring forward. But I mean, it probably depends on every team they play based on what tactical formation they're going against and that kind of thing. So yeah, um, yeah, something to keep an eye on. There was something. Oh well, you know what we need to be doing, or what I think people should do when the team is building up. Uh, in that possession is speaking of music start singing the Miles Robinson Simon and Garfunkel song oh. we need to get that one going it's, yeah. the, it's a brilliant song if and it's perfect if we're going to try to push fans to do things we're just going to get a bunch of dumb Twitter I just I really wish look but you have to act look you have to make it so it seems like their idea that's right? true <laughs> if you just say you I should know this should from do the, this yeah. yeah then they're not going to do it right so Joe, you know this. It's been three years. Mm-hmm. Let's go, bud. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Any other thoughts? Joe? Connor Thompson asked how many uh, Orlando City fans were here. We don't know because they, when the stadium is fully full, they are above us in the press box. So we can't see them. Normally, if it's not full and they're right below us, we can no. see. Um, I heard about 30 to 40, I think, is what I saw from the mentions. But, okay. They have to go back to Orlando now. That sucks. Their beat writer was here from Pro Soccer USA. He's a really nice guy. Oh. Jordan Colford. Nice. Read his stuff. Okay. Uh, do you think that, like, maybe if they didn't live in Orlando, they would, like, be, like, better? Uh, well, they would be like, happier, for they'd sure. They'd be happier. I mean, I saw, a two of, I saw a couple, an Orlando City couple, as I was walking into the stadium today, mm-hmm. and they were both just, like, walking next to each other, not holding hands, looking miserable. Just not uh, not talking. It looks like it really said. So I, I think what you're saying is five months in Atlanta would sort all that out. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. 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 Uh, those poor people. All right, let's get out of here. We could, we could have gotten out of here like 10 minutes ago, probably, but I would have <laughs> felt really bad publishing a 15-minute podcast. <laughs> but you know what? Look, this is the content you've asked for on Five Strike Final, and it's what we're giving to you. Yeah. we're giving to you. So uh, we should probably talk about... What? Ours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next week we will not be recording midweek we have a midweek game uh, but we'll just record next weekend because we probably play someone on the weekend that we can record after I don't even know our schedule right now it's really bad I should know this but I don't so we'll always have or usually have a podcast in your podcast on in your podcast on Monday morning so expect that how's your day going well, like Brandon Vazquez, I'm really looking forward to Game of Thrones tonight. Bye, all. See you. <laughs>